Dr. Nick Delgado here, and I'm with Joy Kong. Joy, it's a pleasure, Dr. Joy Kong. You wrote a book. Tell me about the book. <laughs> Starting with the book. Um, it's actually my life story, only for three years. So I grew up in China. I wanted to come to America. At age 20, after 18 months of prep work, which I had to break some rules to just to get that point. And then I was standing in front of the American Embassy and getting my visa flatly rejected. So the story started there. is about a girl who has a dream, but with no resources. <laughs> How do you make it? So I basically paved my own way. And so it's a dramatic story, you know, of what happened. I ended up tra traveling around China. So the first half of the book was happening in China. The second half was in San Francisco. And I had to overcome another obstacle that plenty of women have to overcome. So I wrote about that experience. It's about reaching for a dream and survival adversity. So you say that you had to overcome an obstacle that a lot of women have to deal with. And I'm a big proponent on communication and relationships. So you're a beautiful woman. What exactly was going on? If you share <laughs> you're going to let me leak the plot. Um, so it was, I actually ended up in a abusive relationship. Yeah. So, you know, no mother, no family, you know, ever have their daughter saying, hey, this is what to look out for. And then you won't fall into a trap where you, you know, life becomes much more difficult. Um, no one really educate their kids about that. So I just went in with an ideal idealistic view of what a good relationship will be and then real not realizing that the other person has a lot of issues um, right. and that uh, created a lot of pain a lot of um, you know just you know basic confusion and how do you unravel that and how do you really find out if you want to stay in something that's sucking the life energy out of your soul that's a rough one. And my question to you is, are you still with that same original individual or did you move on to a new relationship? Oh, I moved on so much. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up kind of winning like a war. So the end of the book is me winning the war. And from there, and I was still only, what, 23 years old. And I still had a whole life to live. And from there on, you know, finding out who you are as a person, as a professional person, but also as somebody that wants to learn and grow in life. So definitely, you know, new relationships and, and um, yeah, there's a full, that's my second book. <laughs> and so, a lot of healing to do. I talk about how when you went through a war, you know, you've got a battle wounds. So even though you won it, but you probably got gunshots, you've got, you know, other scrapes and, and, and scratches. And how do you heal from all that? and fully experience the glory of life. And that's that's the journey. You know, I'm almost almost out of that, you know. But, you know, we're, we're never going to finish the journey. So, Dr. Joy Kong, you are a medical doctor. You were trained uh, in China and the U.S.? No, I, I studied architecture when I was in China. And really? I came, yes, I came here. I was uh, blown away by the variety of opportunities that I could be anything I wanted so I went into uh, photojournalism because I, I like you know the the art of photography and I like written words so I thought you know this is perfect 
<laughs> perfect you know career but not realizing I didn't enjoy the writing of journalism so that's when I switched back into science because I've always loved science and that's when I went into biology and I went to UCLA for medical school I went to USC oh all right <laughs> old rival I was number one in my class in biology I love science too that's incredible and you know I I really resonate with you because being in a place where I'm an author and I write books about relationships uh, and about health and anti-aging, but also the human existence, the struggle, right? And it's not complete until we enter into the world and we realize that sometimes even the closest people to us have their own hurts and they don't know how to express them. They don't know how to communicate. And particularly... One of the reasons I wrote the book, Mastering Love, Sex, and Intimacy, was because I realized that there was this huge gap between men and women, particularly, frankly, in the bedroom. And there's this perpetuating kind of misunderstanding that's, I think, taken place and continues to take place. So when I wrote the book, and of course, Valentine's Day is coming up, I, I thought about women in particular and how men really have no concept of how to please a woman. And I thought I would be the first book to really come out and shed a light on this. And then a, a book was written called She Comes First. <laughs> and, and it really changed the playing field, but no one ever paid attention to it. Not in the media, not, not, not in social circles. Mm. And even going back to Masters and Johnson and Alfred Kinsey, the famous sex uh, researchers, there's still been this ongoing disconnect. Uh, and probably when they read your book and my, they read my book and they get an understanding. So, Joy, how important is love and connection and emotional stability in the scheme of health? I think as time goes on, you know, I'm realizing, you know, I have my own personal, you know, kind of growth and understanding about life as well. I've always been a very career driven person, but, you know, gradually I'm realizing and, and also, you know, listening to experts about happiness and what constitutes happiness. Uh, apparently having a community, having meaningful relationships is probably one of the best protectors for your health. Um, so now I, I think I'm paying a lot more attention. I'm nurturing human relationships, you know, with family, with friends, you know, at work, you know, with loved ones. So yeah, that, that's, um, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize how important it is. However, there's a problem and that is there's multiple addictions in today's society. Not just the obvious to alcohol and opiates and uh, drugs, but addictions to social media and to playing video games all night and kind of almost getting a dopamine rush and then kind of being disconnected from, from people. So we're in a society now where we're, we're severely challenged. And I think that love and connection is probably more important than ever. And I think at some point we have to learn how to get our dopamine rushes in an appropriate manner and yet find a way to connect with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a challenge. I, I think, you know, people have to be brave and be willing to be vulnerable because if you want to have built relationships, a lot of times you have to be the one that's extending a hand, extending, you know, a gesture and, and, and make that connection because so many are, you know, are just timid and... If you are not the one that's 
basically the first one to say hello or saying hey let's you know maybe have a cup of coffee and then it probably never happens so we have to embrace a little bit of vulnerability to extend you know our friendship and and kind of love connections so how did you get into medicine besides your passion for biology what was it that caused you to say look i want to be a medical doctor more than that I want to go beyond being a traditional medical doctor. I want to learn advanced therapeutics. I want to learn about stem cell intervention. I want to learn about uh, cyclic variations, adaptive conditioning, which I've been using for years uh, to recover from my intense workouts. And it, by the way, we're going to the to the gym for our next segment. So uh, yes. you're going to be introduced to my famous, soon to be famous, 12-minute intense workout. So we'll get your impressions after you experience it. I'm excited. It. I didn't work out this morning. I'm saving all my workouts for you. <laughs> and, and so how was it that you got involved? Let's start with the big one. And I think it's a huge potential for healing. And I appreciate that some states and some countries have limits. And so we'll talk in generics about stem cells in fairness to those states or countries that haven't opened their borders yet to the recognition of the power and the potential. So what has been your odyssey in understanding stem cells and what is your appreciation and more importantly, what kind of results have you seen and have you undergone stem cells? A lot of questions there. Oh yes, that's I'm going to unpack it all. So, you know, about my journey, I think the fact that I was born and raised in China actually had a big impact on my philosophy in, in medicine. Um, so I think I started realizing that there's kind of a healer inside of me when I first, um, you know, was getting my mom massaged. So I was, you know, like, you know, 12, 13 years old, years old, and my mom had a lot of back pain. So I was giving her a massage to help her. And I just felt like it, you know, it's almost like a channeling certain energy that, and I, I, I realized, I said, this is, there's something that's inside of me when I was trying to make sure she is feeling better. Um, and then when I was 13, my mom came down with multiple myeloma. So a very severe form of blood disorder, right? Like, like blood cancer. So everyone thought she was going to die within a few years. And she was in a, the best tumor hospital in Beijing. She was there for six months getting chemotherapy. And she had this huge ward where there are 10 people in the same ward. And she see people walking in and get, getting carried out on stretchers dead. So wow. she kept seeing that. And finally, after six months, after going through six rounds of chemotherapy, losing most of her hair, she said, get me out of here. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with this. So she went to a Chinese medicine doctor oh, wow. who specialized in immune health. And then she got this prescription, you know, based on her body, right? Not treated like everybody else. You know, we all have the same type of tumor, but based on her constitution, what's going on in her meridians, you know, her liver, different organs. So he wrote a specific prescription of herbs for her. So she came back home. She was drinking this nasty tasting herb <laughs> every morning, every night. And then she did aerobic exercise every morning. That's it. That's all she did. Herbs and aerobics. With but the Asian Chinese diet is a little bit more centered around rice and vegetables. Yes. The wealthy in China, and I've been to China several times, they do consume more animal product. But it, essentially, the rural areas, right, right, they but eat more rice and vegetables. Those people and, and are very... fatter. And it's funny, the wealthier are fatter. Right. But there's a saying in China, they said, uh, money cannot buy skinniness at old age. <laughs> okay. So apparently, you know, that is prized 
But it's hard if you don't know, you know, then you go down this fat route, which has all kinds of health implications. But the, anyhow, so my mom, after doing the herbs and exercise, within six months, all her blood levels were no, normal, completely normal. She went back to work and full time, and she lived for another 32 wonderful years. Were the doctors shocked? Did you yes. go back to them? Actually, the, the chief... A uh, physician on that ward came back to our house asking my mom, "What what did you do?" Yeah. So my mom gave her give him the the formulation, and he brought that back to his cancer ward and started giving everybody, oh, which is wow. a kind of a little bit of a Western approach. Okay, I have a formula, so I'm giving it to everybody. But really, everybody should have their own formula. But but he best basically recognized the value of the Chinese medicine yeah. because you're boosting your immune system at the same time of attacking the cancer cells. At Midwood Community Hospital and Stanton Community Hospital in the 1980s, I set up a plan on a wing of the hospital working with Dr. Lehman at the time, and he gave me permission to set up a plant-based, whole food, oil-free, sugar-free uh, diet uh, with the RD, the, the, the dietitian, and the heart patients that came in and the diabetic patients were all put on the program. I had them walking up and down the hallways because we didn't have treadmills there. And the nurses were freaking out. Wait, they need bed rest. Don't, don't, you can't be doing this with the heart patients. And the registered dietitian says, oh, people won't eat this food. And why are we doing this? I said, talk to Dr. Lehman. You know, he's, he, he's the chief of staff. And we're going to do this and we're going to continue. And we got remarkable results. And, and now Dr. Uh, Bernard, uh, Neil Bernard, is doing a pilot study at a major hospital. He'll be reporting his findings again starting with a baseline of oil-free, sugar-free, plant-based eating. And it's interesting that, as you know, most hospitals in the U.S. don't even adjust the diet, the very diet that probably caused them many of their health problems, right? Not only What's going their on? health problems, but all their family members that are visiting, they're making sure that everybody gets sick soon to come back to the hospital. Well, I'm not sure that that's their full agenda. I think the meat no. and dairy industry have done such a pervasive job in, in convincing the public that we need and are enamored with the high protein diet with animal foods and that somehow we'll be protein deficient if we don't eat you know meat at every meal or dairy product and to get our calcium right and yet i've defied that for 44 years mm -hmm. i've been plant-based oil-free wow. sugar-free and broken two world strength endurance records this show is not about me though it's about you so what is your diet like uh, my diet, I have gone through experiments, so I've always tried to eat healthy, which is you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, so I knew that, and organic would be ideal, right, wild-caught or, or, or grass-fed, um, but the, you know, the small variation is about whether or not to include meat, so I've tried vegan diet. Um, after I watched Forks Over Knives. And, oh, you wow. Know, yeah, so I, I, I Did thought... Did you see Game Changer? The, yes. The other documentary? Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot, too. My so, son loved that. Yeah. He's, he's an athlete, right? Although there are people who are, you know, kind of debating the, you know, the, the, the message or some of the things that were mentioned. They didn't think that was a fact. But but anyhow, so um, I've... What do you believe? Um, I have listened to so many experts about, you know, on this subject. I think, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, letting everything percolate and, and coming to my conclusion, um, I do think 
meat probably has some benefits. Could it be um, that fish smaller... might be safer than, say, red meat, chicken, or turkey, and all yes. that? Yes. I think fish is probably a much better source of animal protein, especially the omega-3, you know, all that, you know, mm -hmm. the brain-enhancing elements, mm -hmm. and that's what some research have shown. You know, mm -hmm. if But you, you can get your omegas from algae and so forth, because fish truly get it from algae. That's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I have a question then. If you were going to undergo an intervention, right, not just for your patients, but for yourself, and if you were to see when you put the elements together, because I use blood microscopy, I evaluate people on a regular basis. Uh, that's how I first met Tony Robbins. He asked me to come and, and test his blood, and I was only given 15 minutes, and four hours later he had me test everyone in his whole family. <laughs> then he asked me, can you test at Master University for a 1,000 people, which we did before and after a nine-day period. And I published my results and found that in nine days we reduced cholesterol triglycerides better than the most famous statin drugs. We lowered blood pressure to safer levels. Obviously, in nine days, you're not going to lose a lot of weight, but most everyone stabilized, reduced their weight to an extent, and their energy went through the roof, and they, upon microscope exa examination, which is a visual, full disclosure, it's, it's not part of a diagnosis, if you will, but I've been doing it for 44 years, and it was kind of a motivator for them to see the dramatic change and match it, how clean their blood looked, compared to how well they felt. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting because I'm testing people on a regular basis, for 44 years, before and after. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they come back to me six months later, sometimes they come back two weeks later, because in two weeks, usually, we're gonna see rather significant results. So if, it, if you can see that the number one killer in our country is arguably what? Um, heart disease. Yeah, followed by, what do you think? Well, I, I think... Um, the next leading killer. Is it cancer? Yeah, and then probably somewhere in there, diabetes, which aggravates the issues with cardiovascular disease and obesity, compounds the core morbidity yeah. for those situations. But do you know what recently has exceeded all causes of death in individuals age 18 to 45? No. It exceeds the number of deaths from COVID. It's called uh, uh, fentanyl overdose poisoning from a painkiller drug. Oh, wow. And so doctors are prescribing people in pain, and yet we think there's novel ways to, to handle pain. Yeah. And then opiates and drug abuse. So if it's killing that many people, we have to pay attention to it, which gets back to the yes. addictive nature of social media. And so I'm putting quite of an effort into what I use as the power of the mind, timeline therapy and NLP. What do you use for the power of the mind? And how can you shift a person's subconscious beliefs into something that matches their new behavior. Because we know if an alcoholic's near a drink, they're gonna drink it. But if you remove all alcohol, or in the case of drugs, remove all drugs, they have a time to detox. Just like with addictions to foods, if you remove them from all the addictive foods for six weeks, because we have a living center in Corona, and we teach what we call the seven pillars of health, their chance of changing their taste buds mm. is so much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough one. You know, people have used, you know, I've, I've been a medical director at a few rehab centers in Malibu and I, I see the struggle, you know, over there is psychotherapy and certain medications, um, which I don't think is the right way to go. Agreed. I was, first of all, I was trying to adjust 
a person's nutritional and hormonal balance. Really? Yeah. The problem was yeah. I can convince the patients to get the test done because I want them to optimize whatever, you know, their body and, and remove the cause of the inflammation that's triggering all the addictive behaviors. So they would do the test and then I recommend certain herbal, uh, you know, uh, concoctions. Guess what? what? The supplements. Uh, the, the people come to me, very few actually go for it because they, they come to me, they say, well, doctor, the, uh, the insurance company doesn't cover supplements, but they cover drugs. Can you just give me a drug? So that was, I felt, you know, a little defeated, right? I'm trying yes. to, to do everything I can to, to get these people well, but the whole medical system supports this drug approach. Yeah. Now, you, more than anyone, see the potential of bioidentical hormones when balanced properly, not only during the aging process, but even early in life. I mean, you've probably seen uh, young people with thyroid deficiencies. You've seen uh, adrenal fatigue, even though doctors will argue there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. Dr. Edwin Lee, who's a world-renowned endocrinologist, says, oh, I experienced adrenal fatigue. I know firsthand. And now he's going through protocols to support healthy uh, adrenal function. We, he even believes that DIM, methane. he says, I pour it like water for my patients because it's so important mm. in the detoxification of what we call estrogen dominance. So in my new book, I, I've been writing about disease hacking. It's coming out shortly after Tony Robbins' book comes out on February 8th. And my goal is to educate people about the grave importance of bioidentical hormone replacement. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll play a role in helping people to feel better so they don't feel like they have to crave drugs or chemicals or dopamine rushes or artificial stimulants. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think that's true? Yeah, but so many people are so scared of hormone replacement because the earlier study that actually has synthetic hormone in it that led to, you know, different, uh, uh, you know, cardiovascular or even cancer risk. So that scared a lot of people. I still hear that all the time from all these female patients. Yeah, and I would agree with you. Uh, Dr. Terry Grossman from Colorado once stated that he's not a fan per se of estrogen replacement because he has found with women, because women need testosterone, that if he gives them testosterone, some of it converts over to estrogen anyway. So he's getting the benefit of helping them feel firm and strong and better libido as they age, and yet they're getting the benefit of some, quote, conversion of estrogen. And then we use DIM, methane. Uh, indole-3-carbinol, some various herbs to kind of metabolize herbs through their pathways. Are you a believer that herbs and supplements can help in the quest to balance hormones? Yeah, absolutely. I think they can be extremely helpful. So I myself, you know, take some supplements, you know, including, you know, things that to, to, to block DHT because, you know, of certain effects of you know, the, 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 the predominance of the estrogen. So, yeah, I think they're, they're extremely helpful, and it's helped me. It's interesting you mentioned DHT, DHT because dihydrotestosterone. I wrote a book, uh, co-wrote with the top board-certified dermatologist out of Northern California, Dr. Sonia Paterisi, and it's called Acne Be Gone for Good. And I, I actually discovered a solution to acne, and so it's probably our number one seller in the world in terms of solution because people when they try proactive they try uh, the various uh, even birth control pills off-label to control their acne they realize it is a hormonal problem in most cases and so when we shift that correct hormone balance they look and feel incredible and, and 
I'm excited that teenagers and young people are doing this, but ad adults are having acne too. But I think it lays the ground for a better future for them. And I'm the first to say, look, don't depend just on the supplement. You know, you really need to appreciate that your diet plays a big role, your exercise. Do you believe in what's called the seven pillars of health? And first, let's start with the bioidentical hormone balance, since you're an expert in that. What hormones do you like to use, and do you monitor it beyond just blood and saliva? Do you use 24-hour urine, or have you ever? Um, I'm not doing that, because, you know, in my clinic, I do, you know, certain hormone replacement, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, mostly. Um, and, and, of course, thyroid hormone replacement. But um, in my practice, I focus mostly on stem cell therapy, and uh, a lot of different IV therapies and as well ketamine therapy. So um, I do a limited number of hormones. Okay. Yeah. So what are you doing with the IV therapy? I'm intrigued. Personally, I undergo NAD uh, treatments, uh, multiple Myers cocktail, various concoctions. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, so with definitely. IV yeah, we do NAD therapy, we do ozone therapy, and uh, something called Plaquex that actually help clean out the arteries. And we do, um, you know, vi various, you know, the, the Myers cocktail and different um, antioxidant or amino acid mineral blends. Um, yeah, so those are pretty much what we do. I'm, I'm looking at other new technologies as well, like new, uh, new innovative molecules. You, you mentioned, um, uh, well, I was going to ask about uh, naltrexone, low-dose uh, naltrexone. Have you ever worked with that? And you mentioned uh, ketamine. So give me a, a little rundown there. Yeah, so naltrexone, I haven't, you know, usually that's, you know, I give to people, you know, PO, uh, but I haven't PO, done... define for that. Oh, just by mouth. Yeah, yeah. taking, taking pills or, or, you know, drinking. Sure. Um, so that's the extent of how I use it. But um, ketamine, um, I use it in our clinic, mostly IV, which is very powerful for depression, anxiety, PTSD, addiction, wow. and also chronic pain and migraine. So, you know, I've seen traumatic, you know, incredible results and including people who are recovering from neurological problems. And it, because it, it enhances the brain-derived neurotropic factor, uh, levels so it actually regenerate and help rewire the brain which is incredible because as a trained psychiatrist I've treated so many PTSD patients I worked at the VA for four years oh, wow. and I've seen people struggling with this you know decades of PTSD symptoms it's very hard for them to overcome that that kind of wired in neural connections where they get really triggered and it's very difficult to overcome Whereas ketamine therapy, it's almost like it's bypassing whatever that hardware connection was. It's making new new connections. So when, when they're under the ketamine state, and ketamine, if people don't know, was an anesthetic. It's been used as an anesthetic for over 60 years. It's one of the safest anesthetic medications on earth. And at much lower dosage, people retain their consciousness, right? Anesthesia, people can do operations, but these people still are very conscious but they have a little bit of altered experience. So they may, you know, have a psychedelic experience or they just have a, you know, really incredible relaxation or feeling that they're not, they're a little bit more detached from self and they're kind of looking at their life, you know, from a whole different perspective. So they gain different insights. And, and I think in that process is actually rewiring the brain. So they're a lot more adaptive 
in their way of thinking and they can bypass traumatic experiences or even bypass these addictive uh, neural networks. Because I've seen people quitting smoking wow. or, you know, getting... How about alcohol and opiates? Yes. Yeah, it can be very powerful as well and um, actually preventing opiate withdrawals. Um, and NAD, of course, can do that as well. Yes. Yeah. So... So what led you to get excited about stem cells? You're a trained psychiatrist. Uh, was it a personal involvement or something you read in the literature? Do you go to anti-aging conferences or stem cell conferences? What what enthralled you and what kind of results are you seeing? Yeah, I think first of all, just the kind of brain I have, you know, going from, from architecture to, uh, you know, photography, journalism, right. and then to medicine. So I have the kind of brain that I'm very interested in so many things around. So I don't like to restrict myself. I went into psychiatry because I was fascinated by human behavior and by what might trigger and what can change and what's going on in this brain. So, so when I was doing psychiatry, of course, I'm helping people a lot through both psychotherapy and also medications. But I realized that it's not quite addressing the root causes. You know, why did this person get, you know, depressed in the first place? Yes. So a lot of it, you know, it can be maladaptive behavior, traumatic experiences, but a lot of it is imbalanced, you know, biophysically. They are, they don't have the correct hormone levels. They don't have the right nutrition. All these have tremendous impact, but none of those was addressed in psychiatry. So it's a huge missing link. And so when I found out um, of course, I was interested in Chinese medicine because that's one way of holistically looking at the person and addressing things from the more root causes level. But I had trouble integrating Chinese medicine and you know Western psychiatry. I, I had trouble just integrating the two. You look at one person, if you look at these integrative um, doc, um, doctors who are doing East-West medicine, they're trying to combine the two. So basically the patient walks in they give a diagnosis from the Western perspective. And then they give another diagnosis from the Eastern perspective. And each have different treatment routes. But to me, that's not true integration. You're not really bringing the two together. You're just doing side by side. So it was when I recognized what's going on with functional medicine, I was like, oh my God, there's a whole discipline here. So anti-aging is an offshoot of functional medicine. It's the same thing. How do you optimize the body from so many different levels so you can treat the body as this complex whole. And, and, and these uh, ways of looking at the human body, these disciplines actually are basing studies. They're looking at scientific evidence and they're dissecting what, what chemicals in a particular herb may be causing effect. I think we're still at the very early stages. You know, one single herb is very complex. So we're just looking, we're picking at one or two chemicals. We think, oh, that's what's, what's going on. But this is a start. At least we have a language to understand why these herbs may work. So all of a sudden, I can use the East, you know, Western language to understand Eastern medicine. So the holistic approach has a language now. So then I can integrate. So that's what got me into the whole anti-aging medicine. So in regards to stem cells, though, what are you finding in terms of, I, I'm assuming you've ventured into uh a day-old cord blood where it's extracted and it's going to be, the umbilical cord is going to be distract, ex, ex, disposed of anyway. And so you extract these stem cells, purified, 
and you can utilize those for individuals. There's obviously other modalities, uh, bone marrow extraction and so forth. Uh, have you looked at using cord blood and are you a fan of it and do you see some good results with it? Yeah, so stem cell therapy, you know, it, it's, it's one discipline in anti-aging medicine and I realized how powerful it was um, when, I, when I, you know, encountered that. <clears throat> I'll tell you the story of the first time I heard about stem cell therapy was from this anti-aging doctor and he said, mm. I use stem cells to treat this autistic kid oh, wow. and look at what the teacher said. So there were like 40 things that teacher list, listed of all the improvements they were able wow. to see, you know, from the ability to connect with others, you know, how they play and how they were able to focus, you know, not being, you know, not procrastinate and all these incredible changes. And as a psychiatrist who had treated autistic kids in a very fr frustrating manner, I thought this is incredible. This is really powerful. Why and how? So that's what really got me fascinated with stem cell treatment and at that time that doctor was using umbilical cord blood so that was my kind of entryway into stem cell field is looking at umbilical cord blood what might be in the blood and what's causing these profound changes but from there I you know of course I was aware of how stem cell therapy was started which is from bone marrow so there's this whole early camp right from the whole bone marrow lineage that's what they believe in that's what they use and then there's a newer camp of fat derived stem cells and the umbilical cord is the newest this is the youngest in the on the block so there are these three major camps and each think that they're the most superior so I've used all three by the way uh-huh and, and I did have a uh, several autistic uh, families that I guided to get appropriate treatment, in this case with cord blood stem cells, with mm -hmm. remarkable results, but I also found it had to be supported by what Ryan Kaufman talks about, um, Rising Sun, an incredible book. He was completely autistic, inaudible, and he went through this special training with his family of 75 hours a week of just getting to mirror and match and just really mm -hmm. amazing. There's a movie yeah. out about it and there's oh, a book. but. I look at an integrative approach because I'm concerned that it used to be what was barely one in a thousand, one in two thousand kids, particularly boys, had autism, and now the numbers are, I believe, approaching one in 48. It's gotten it's, uh, it's horrible. And we're concerned, obviously, toxins in the environment. We have some beliefs about what's going on. We certainly know diet's involved. And I applaud you for pursuing uh, yeah. complementary and a functional medicine well, approaches, I, right? But I wanted to understand, you know, am I doing these kids justice by giving them core blood, right? What if the fat-derived stem cells can work better? What if bone marrow can, can work better? So my mission at the very beginning of my stem cell career was to set out to read as many articles as can, I can find to compare these different sources. And no one had done that before. So you just have these individual camps. I was like, I came along as I don't really care which camp I end up in. I just right. want to give the best, you know, the best treatment. So I started researching and finding out what the differences are between these different treatments. What's the what's the cell population? What's the difference? What are the quality of the cells? So that's I actually have a YouTube video out there. It's called Are All MSCs Created Equal? So mesenchymal stem cells has been like one of the, the the holy grails for stem cell therapy, at least at this point. And I wanted to compare all these mesenchymal stem cells to differences. Also, each camp are claiming, oh, our MSCs are the best. So, um, so the conclusion, mm -hmm. after looking at and I presented in you know in at different conferences and about the differences, um, which to me I'm pretty convinced 
the umbilical source is the superior source. Agreed. And I would go further to say that um, I'm working with teams with neurological damage and cerebral palsy and MS and even more problematic ALS. And we're seeing that if we infuse bone marrow first, flood the system, particularly the lungs, because a lot of times when you say take these incredible cord blood stem cells, but they, I won't say get wasted, but they tend to get used up in the lungs first and they don't quite get to the brain and the neurological areas. We've discovered that by first doing bone marrow on the same day, chasing immediately with cord blood, remarkable neurological advancements that we have never seen. And so we've probably treated more than 7,000 people, more than anyone in the world. And we can't advertise it because stem cells is not something that is accepted yet in most states and countries. And at the same time, it's a word of mouth thing and it's a discussion and it's a, here's the appropriate things and each patient's treated, you know, individually because not all two people need the same thing, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I used to think that, um, you know, that's what I learned, that the cells get trapped in the lungs. But I, I, I think that has, you know, there's new evidence showing that it does get dispersed within days. So I used to give one treatment to help, you know, prevent that, to kind of flood the lungs. And then two weeks later, do another infusion. Since I have noticed incredible results with just one infusion. That's how I started simplifying my regimen because I had patients who did so well with one infusion, they simply just didn't follow up, they didn't come back. And so that's when I thought, you know, if I can simplify this and still achieve the same results, maybe that's what I should do. So because what happens if you have a lot of lung problems, yes, the cells are gonna be trapped. Correct. But if your lungs are healthy, it's going to be redistributed. The blood is going to carry them away. They're going to redistribute right. into the body. You, you so, bring up a great point. Oftentimes, you need to be sure that the person's gone through what I call the seven pillars of health, clean their body up, and then get the most benefit out of the stem cells. There's a Dr. Shaw that I've met with in a London-trained orthopedic physician in uh, Malaysia. And he is over 100 MRIs showing before-after replacement of the cartilage, regrowing of the cartilage mm -hmm. in athletes. But he found he had to do uh, an approach that is beginning to be recognized by other orthopedics, uh, and that is drill a blood plug, multiple blood plugs, to bring the damaged area, because stem cells want to go to a damaged area, and that's why it gets such excellent results with the cartilage resurfacing. Because if you just inject the, the joints or the body with stem cells, it's not automatically going to correct the cartilage and the, the specific damage, particularly when they start saying bone on bone and everyone wants to want, run into surgery, but you know the difficulty of recovery from surgery, that they've even done sham surgeries where they cut one leg and they didn't really do the surgery in the other one, and the patient actually thought the sham part, the false surgery, was as good or better. Mm. And so you have to really look at the science, right? You, you can't just settle on what others are saying or believe. Yeah. Either they have a financial interest or they don't quite fully understand the science or they haven't gone through the steps, right? There's actually a great study looking at surgery versus stem cell treatments. Uh -huh. I don't know if you know that study. Go ahead. But 30 patients had steroid-induced, uh, basically, you know, uh, 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 necrosis of the bones. Mm -hmm. So they were told that they need bilateral knee replacement. But the experiment was, this, these are 30 patients. They divided the 60 knees into 30 doing 
knee replacement. The wow. other 30 doing stem cell injection. So what happened was that the knee replacement knees, those third, out of those 30 knees, uh, in, in, I think in, within five years follow-up, um, six of them needed revision surgery. Of course, the recovery time, you know, pain, you know, that, that, that's much more significant. Whereas the 30 knees that never got surgery, only got stem cell injection, only one actually needed surgery after all. Wow. So that's a powerful study. Would you agree that to intervene and assist patients on their journey to good health, that sleep is an important pillar of health? Yeah, absolutely. As a psychiatrist, you recognize it's great importance, right? Yeah, or just as a you know sensible human being. <laughs> <laughs> and what about detoxification? We're exposed to oh, more gosh. chemicals at that's any time so in important. history. That's so important. Yeah, that's so important. If I keep putting stem cells into a body that's heavily polluted by heavy metal, organic, you know, you know, toxins. I'm fighting a very uphill battle. That's going to be very difficult because every step of the way, those toxins are sabotaging the healing. What about exercise? Oh, gosh. It's that's, Yeah, actually, I have only three pillars uh, in my approach with my patients. So for every, everybody that comes to me for stem cell therapy, I, I give them a regimen. I say, here, eat an anti-inflammatory diet. These are the guidelines. Exercise, move your body because it activates over 400 genes in your body. You've got to allow your own regenerative potentials to, to start to, to you know, manifest. And then third is detoxification. And one of the easiest ways and most gentle ways is infrared sauna. So that is, I think it does even more than just detoxing. But uh, if you can do all three, then you're preparing your body you know, pretty well for the stem cell therapy. We're also seeing some novel areas with the use of laser for pain, for cancer, those patients under treatment, for reducing obesity, uh, and for the fine wrinkles that we tend to develop as we age. Uh, so it's interesting that, we, and I put that in the category of advanced therapeutics, just like I put stem cells in that category, because and cyclic variations in adaptive conditioning, high altitude conditioning, these things are incredibly effective. Only supported best, though, when you address the main pillars of health, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some of my plant-based doctor friends, and I'm presenting at a big conference coming up in April, The Real Truth About Health, with the top plant-based doctors in the world, but very few of them embrace or accept or understand the importance of balancing bioidentical hormones. They'll say, well, the diet will do it. Well, as you get older, your hormones are declining. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about that? Yes. And if you have injuries or conditions. And so I think we have to really look at the bigger picture for the seven pillars of health or the three, <laughs> and then where we put that into a category that makes sense. Right. So Dr. Joy Khan, it's been a pleasure having you. We're gonna scoot over to the gym after my next segment with an incredible guest. And uh, it, since you don't need to change, you're ready. I'm just gonna take my Superman shirt off and we're going to go have fun at the gym. Are you ready for an yes, intense yes, workout? I am. Did you watch a few of the videos I sent I you? I did. I did. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because <laughs> okay. I've heard some, some of those people said that this is one of the hardest workouts or the hardest. So <laughs> I'm ready. When you're going through it, you just be present and you enjoy it. And it's like a euphoric high. If you've ever had a runner's high and the release of dopamine and multiple hormones that just give you this joyful feeling, it's the recovery after. And if you understand how to recover, mm -hmm. and if you can get through the first nine days and train, because usually you're gonna experience some degree of, of uh, challenge. Mm. So it's my favorite workout. Although I do three forms of exercise. I like to do yoga and balancing, and I, I work out with a 
club where there's a bunch of people running around the different stations and, and hitting the core and the various movements. And then I love my 12 minute intense workout, but it requires a partner. So I'm mm -hmm. gonna show you how to do it. And then I do what's called flow, nonstop exercise, because I'm a world champion in curl and press. I can lift weights for an hour or longer. And I broke the Guinness World Record for curls. I didn't make the final book because there was a guy that broke it the month of Bob <laughs> Goldman, who we met through yes. uh, at a recent event. You know, he kept telling me, Nick, you gotta resubmit it in time. And my recent record I should have submitted because I did exceed, but um, I've been a little bit busy writing my new book. So at my age, my newest goal for a world record uh, is to break the all-time world record for healthy aging, to be the longest, healthiest individual in mm. history. So in closing, would you believe that love and connection is consistent with the longest-lived people in the world? And if we bring joy into our life, Joy Kong, <laughs> how important is that? Yeah, I think that's what the studies have shown. You know, in those longer living uh, communities, you know, connection and community was was you know a powerful factor. So I think, yeah, I think you're you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. So our, our next segment is with Christine Grant, the relation shift, and so mm. we're gonna have fun with that. But um, it's been a pleasure. I, I I think that you have a world of knowledge. I'd love to have you on as a guest again in the future. And uh, we look forward to seeing these little segments on uh, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Instagram <laughs> Reel, and whatever else they, they have going on out there. Right. Because the world needs to hear the work that we're doing to change the world. Right? Yes, absolutely. There's still a lot more about stem cells I would love to talk about, so we can we can do it next time. Perfect. Thank you very much. Be You're strong, welcome. be well. Check out sevenpillarscoaching.com, and we look forward to supporting you in your journey of ideal health and longevity. Goodbye, everyone.